you are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. Yesterday, in the middle of the day, so I've got, we've got a session. I have a, a two-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. And um, so in the middle of the day yesterday, it was time for their midday nap. But uh, my two-year-old daughter, Sophia, wanted to have a peanut butter sandwich before she went to bed. So I thought that's a fairly good idea, like feel her belly and she'll go to bed. So I went to the kitchen, got a couple of slices of bread, put some peanut butter between them, put that together, gave her a peanut butter sandwich. Um she started eating it but then halfway through she stopped and she started refusing to eat it and and um and i put her in a bed and said no you've got to go to bed you've got your peanut butter sandwich but she refused she said no i'm not going to sleep no i want a peanut butter sandwich and i said to her but you've got a peanut butter sandwich and she said no i want a sandwich and i said to her, but you've you've got a peanut butter sandwich she said no i want a sandwich and then i, I couldn't really understand what she was saying very clearly because her mouth was full with this peanut butter sandwich just given up <laughs> so i said what do you want? She said, a sandwich. I said, what are you saying? A, a cabbage? She said, no, I want a sandwich. What are you saying? A bandage? She said, no, I want a sandwich. What do you want? A cottage? She said, no, I want a sandwich. What do you want? A, a sewerage? Anyway, at that stage, I kind of um, I thought I might try and get Mateo over. So this is our four-year-old son and ask him what she's trying to say. She, he might make more sense. So I said, Mateo, what does she want? And he said, he wants a sandwich, Papa. And she wants a sandwich. I said, but she's got a peanut butter sandwich. And he just looked at me like I was stupid and said, no, she's got peanut butter on bread. She doesn't have a sandwich. And I said, what? Well, she's got a sandwich. She's exactly what she asked for. And so I went back to Sophia and I said, I thought, Mateo's like making even less sense. So I'm going to go back to the two-year-old. And, um, and I said, Sophia, you have a peanut butter sandwich. And she looked at me and she said, no, this is peanut butter on bread. It's not a sandwich. And I said, no, no, that, that's a sandwich. I said, no, it's peanut butter on bread. Anyway, that conversation went on for about 10 minutes before I realised that, like, I shouldn't have had that conversation for 10 minutes. Um, and it was, at, it was at that stage that she got a bit frustrated, I think. And she, at this stage, she's lying in her bed with her peanut butter sandwich and at that stage she got a bit frustrated and she got her sandwich and she pulled it apart like this and she said look papa that's bread and that's peanut butter it's peanut butter on bread and i said no no that's what a sandwich is and then eventually she just did this she said fine <laughs> started eating it and then went to sleep but my point is just that I realized in that situation, I had the knowledge. See, I knew what a sandwich was, although there were moments that I started to question myself. <laughs> but um, I knew what, you know, I had the knowledge, but I didn't have the wisdom to not get into an argument with a two-year-old who's just trying to delay going to her midday nap. So there's a difference between you know, having knowledge and having wisdom. And that's one of the things I want to talk about um, today. 
Although what I did want to do before I start is because I've you know, talked about how weird my kids are a little bit and seeing as there's no Paredes here today, I, um, I wanted to take the opportunity to... So sometimes Sasha and I will look after David Pardidi. Oh, Eden is here, but <laughs> but um, but you know what your brother's like. So it's, sometimes uh, yeah, we look after little David Pardidi and and Pastor Paul Tanya will say, oh, thanks for looking after him. That made yeah, that made a big difference. That was helpful. But what they don't actually know is I just do it because David says like the weirdest things, and I've got pages of notes on my phone of stuff he said. So this is a, just a few highlights from Friday afternoon. Um, actually, it's on the topic of sandwiches too. We had a big weekend of sandwiches. So David said to me, I would die for this sandwich, but how could I eat it if I was dead? I would eat it and it would go straight through my legs. <laughs> a bit later he came to me and he said, um, I'm really good at multitasking, but I can't do lots of things at once. <laughs> and, and the other one he said to me, when we were... Um, when we were, were going to a park, and he said, my favourite park is the park where the little girl had her finger cut off. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, how you rank parks, apparently. <laughs> but what I want to talk about this morning is, I uh, have a look at wisdom from the, from the book of Proverbs, and particularly a couple of things that it says about our heart. Um, you know, I'm really glad with some of the things that, that Daniel was sharing this morning in prayer, and Sasha's been sharing this morning during worship, that... Um, you know, God seems to really be doing some things, you know, in our heart, realizing that, that we need to change, you know, our heart to become aligned with God's heart. And um, so, Ben, if we go to that first slide, I just want to focus on a few things that Proverbs says about our heart and about wisdom. And firstly, about wisdom, there's these verses that pop up all throughout Proverbs that, you know, wisdom is this thing that's always seeking us. So in, in Proverbs chapter 1, it says, Wisdom calls out in the streets. She lifts her voice in the square. And in Proverbs 8, it says, Does not wisdom call out and understanding raise her voice? And later on in Proverbs 8, 31, it says, Wisdom rejoices in the whole world and delights in mankind. So wisdom is always calling out to you. you know, there's, there's always an invitation to gain more wisdom. And there's no ceiling to wisdom. It's not something that we can you know, gain enough of that we don't need anymore. But... I think we have a, a, a kind of a wrong idea of what wisdom is in the world today. That wisdom isn't your IQ and it's not talent and it's, it's different from wealth and it's different from power and charisma, all those different things. Wisdom, um, you know, all the lack of wisdom is the reason why otherwise very intelligent and successful people can write really dumb stuff on Facebook. <laughs> have you come across that? People that are actually really you know, educated and normal people, but they put up this really dumb stuff. And so I've I've got a few different examples that show this. Um, thankfully, none of them are from people that... Yeah, none of them are here today. I could have, but... Uh, so let's take a few of these as examples. So Ben, can we have the next slide? So this one comes from someone who actually has an engineering degree, which shows wisdom isn't related to IQ. So the little comment, if you can't see at the bottom here, is what type of cat is this? <laughs> um, Next one, Ben. So, so obviously wisdom isn't the same as IQ. This one comes from someone who has a lot of disposable income and travels very well. So clearly wisdom isn't related to wealth. So the little comment at the bottom there is crazy how, make, how nature make that. I don't really know what that means. I think it means that. So crazy how nature makes uh, 
those sculptures. This last one. So this is actually the marriage of two lawyers. So these are very, very successful people that are in love and still exchanging vows. So it's at the bottom there. Vows. So uh, one for the, the spelling police. We all know those kind of people. So clearly, wisdom isn't the same thing as success or IQ you know, or wealth. You know, wisdom something else. Wisdom is about being you know, connected to God and connected to the heartbeat of God. You know, and all throughout wisdom, you know, we see, or all throughout our Proverbs, we see that at the source of wisdom you know, is the heart. So Ben, if you could put up the next slide, um, Proverbs 4 talks about that above all else, we should guard our heart because everything else flows from it. And we're going to focus in on that verse today and talk about how a lot of the issues that we think come from other things actually come from us not taking responsibility and, guard and, and, and guarding our heart. Yeah, because in Proverbs wisdom, yeah, the heart was understood to be the center of everything, the center of our life and our character and everything else flows from it. Um, but first I want to talk about this characteristic of the heart called the non-dual nature of the heart. So next slide, Ben. So um, non-duality is this term which originated in, in science. Um, and so it was originally a scientific term, it was used in quantum physics and it was used to explain how particles that are really, really small, so at the quantum level, can exist in more than one place at one time. Um, and so you know, they, they came up with this idea or this term called non-duality, which means that something can be one thing and another thing at the same time. And it got, the idea got expanded to lots of other different areas of life to explain you know, the same thing, that, that you can have your opposites existing at the same time or that, that something can be one thing and another thing at the same time. And Proverbs actually says that our heart you know, operates in the same way. It operates in a non-dual way. So we get verses like this in Proverbs 14 that says, Even in laughter the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief. So when I read that, I kind of think of the joker from Batman, you know how he's got like that big smile, like that, and uh, and you kind of know like he's smiling, but there's clearly something off, you know, underneath his smile. It's like I don't think that um I don't think he's actually happy, you know, and that's what makes him so scary. That's what like, you know, makes him freak people out is that, yeah, you know, he's got that big smile, but I think underneath that there's a lot of you know heartache and and pain, and you know maybe you have your own joker smile that he put on as well. Yeah, we all probably have that at some stage. Um, but what Proverbs says is that you know, even in laughter, the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief. So our hearts are always filled with all these different emotions and so often conflicting emotions and opposite emotions. And so understanding that and being able to deal with that is a, main, you know, is a big part of having a having a healthy and, and prosperous life. So for me, for example, right now, I'm filled with joy from all sorts of things. Um, so Ben, if you want to play that little video, this is one of the things that um, brings me joy, uh, if it works. So this is my uh, little two-year-old daughter that, that uh, argues with me about sandwiches, but she loves inventing her own um, dances, so you might see it, you might not see it, but that's one of the things that brings me joy. You know, what brings me joy at the moment as well is my, um, there she goes, is my, uh, my four-year-old son as well playing water fights in the backyard with him. 
Oh, this is, yeah, this bit coming up is my favourite part. This bit, wait for the little run. There we go. Um, so, so there's lots of things that bring me joy. Actually, in a, in a few weeks, um, Sasha and I are going away to Melbourne and um, she's going shopping and other things, but I'm just going to watch football. And, uh, and I've never been there in, right in the middle of winter, but in the middle of winter, you can go down to Brighton Bars, you know, on, on the beach there, and they do like this iceberg swimming. So you swim in like the icy cold ocean. That's one of the things that brings me joy. That's what I'm looking forward to. So, at 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 um, you know, at the moment, there's all these things in my life that bring me joy, but also at the moment, there's all these things that that bring me a whole lot of sadness. Like I'm still angry about the way that certain people have treated me, and, and it doesn't seem fair. I don't seem to be able to get over it, and you know, so I'm angry about those kind of things. I'm, I've got anxiety about, well, just about talking in front of people and, you know, <laughs> being judged and, you know, what's going to happen. And, and I'm, I'm frustrated that I seem to make the same mistakes in life over and over again and, and don't seem to be able to learn. So I'm filled with joy from all these things, but I've still got all this sadness and anxiety and frustration and anger as well. So, you know, I've got all these different emotions and, and going on in my heart and all these different possible responses. And I imagine you're the same as well, you know, so, so which is it? You know, are you happy and joyful and excited and optimistic or, or are you sad and anxious and exhausted? And the answer probably if you're a human is yes, it's all of those, you know, at the same time because the heart, you know, has a non-dual nature. It contains all these different things going on at once. So back to that other slide, Ben, just a couple before. Um, there, was an, there was an Old Testament scholar um, you know, when he talked about Proverbs, um, he came up with this quote that said, our moods are not permanent and are seldom unmingled with the opposites. So even in laughter, you know, the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief. So there's this non-dual nature of the heart where, where we have all these different emotions going on at once. And one of the big responsibilities of ourselves in our life is to work out you know, how we react to that to understand that it's a normal part of nature to feel those things, but it's our responsibility to, to, to know our heart and react to it. So knowing that we have this non-dual nature to our heart is really important because if we're not moving towards having this understanding of our heart, then what we do is we can't actually deal with the fact that we have all these dark and stormy and, and sometimes depressive and sad emotions going on with, with inside of us. And if we can't deal with it, what we tend to do is place it on other people and hurt other people around us. So we don't understand that there are, are going to be aches and grief and sadness and difficult things to deal with then. And if we can't bring them out in the open and be honest about them and shine a light on them, then we end up projecting it onto other people. So we make other people the ones that are wrong or they're the ones that are the problem or they're the ones that are out of line or they're the ones that have left the tribe or they're the ones that don't understand me. Yeah, they're the ones that don't understand you know, what I'm like and what my life's like. And, and so if there are things in us that we can't deal with, we project them and place them onto other people. I actually um, last year had a, uh, a conversation with a mentor you know, of mine and I was talking to this person, talking about myself mostly. Um, and so in the middle of the conversation, this person stopped me and... Um, and kind of said and looked at me and kind of said, Mark, 
do you think you're a responsible person? And already that feels like a leading question. It feels like it doesn't matter what I'm saying, I'm going to get in trouble here. But I kind of looked back and thought, yeah, I think I am. And this person said, well, why do you say you're responsible? I said, well, I think that when I say I'm going to do something, I usually do it. I think I follow through on my word. I think I'm, I think I'm fairly good at doing that. And this person said, yeah, I would agree with that. But do you think you're emotionally responsible? And well, that's probably another leading question. Um, so I thought about that one a bit more and said, well, actually, probably not. And they said, well, why not? Well, because I realised that, that my emotions depend on other people. So if other people do things that I want them to, then I'm happy. But if they don't do the things that I want them to, then I'm upset. You know, or, if, or if other people treat me in a way that makes me feel valued, then I'm valuable. But if they don't, then you know, I feel like I'm useless. So basically, I need everyone around me to be able to, to read my mind and read my emotions and then do exactly what I want for me to be able to feel happy and valuable. So, you know, really I've, I've given over my responsibility for my own emotions to other people. You know, I don't take responsibility for my own emotions. So, no, I'm probably not emotionally responsible. Um, you know, so I realised that as long as, yeah, I'm projecting my hurts onto someone else, then I don't have to deal with what's going on inside of me. And as long as I'm talking about them, then I don't have to deal with all those different emotions that are going on inside of me. I never have to rip the bandit off and deal with them for myself. And there's this story, um, you know, it's an old story, but, but a good one, about a father and a son who were once walking along in the woods and they came across this, this dog that had been caught in a bear trap. So its leg was all kind of trapped in the bear trap and all mangled. It was obviously in a lot of pain and a lot of stress. And so the son, just feeling you know, compassion for the dog and wanting to free it, rushed forward. You had to go and grab the dog and get it out of the trap, but the father stopped him, you know, because he could see that the dog was you know, thrashing about, trying to scratch or bite anything that came near it, trying to defend itself for anything it could, for anyone that would come near it. And the father said, son, you know, be careful because a, a hurt animal will bite anyone that's close to them. They'll bite anyone around them, you know, even someone that's trying to help them. You know, he won't, he's, that, that dog's not going to let anyone get close enough to get him out of that trap because his hurt means that he can't trust anyone. He's so hurt that you know, he can't think, you know, he can't process his emotions. You know, so he's going to even try and fight and hurt people. They're going to try and get out of that trap. You know, it just made me think that is what is true of trapped animals also true of us? You know, do we focus so much on our, our pain and our hurt and the things that have happened in our past that we, we don't trust the people that are trying to help us out of our you know, emotional distress and our emotional hurt? You know, do we have you know, such a low tolerance to being able to deal with our own turmoil and our own you know, issues of our heart that we can't move forward? And there's actually a, um, a term that's used today by a psychiatrist called low frustration tolerance or LFT. And I was reading an article about that this week, and I'm just going to share a little bit of that with you. So the article said, low frustration tolerance, or short-term hedonism, is a concept that describes the inability to tolerate unpleasant feelings or stressful situations. 
It stems from the feeling that reality should always be as you wished and that any frustration should be resolved quickly and easily, as though God was your divine magic genie. People with low frustration tolerance experience emotional, uh, emotional disturbance when frustrations are not quickly resolved, and their behaviours are then directed towards avoiding frustrating events wherever possible, which paradoxically leads to increased frustration and even greater mental stress. So, which may be why, you know, people leave relationships and you know leave churches because as soon as you know frustrating or hurtful or or disappointing event occurs you know, as soon as you feel offended you know you, you think i never want to have to deal with those feelings ever again so i'm gonna leave yeah the problem is that it never works and even you know secular you know psychologists can see that because you've never actually dealt with your heart issue, so the issue is going to keep happening over and over again, and, and it's actually going to make things worse. So the article goes on and says, Are you quick to ir irritation and anger? Do people annoy you? Do you hate some people? Do you have to punish people often? Do you often think life is unfair? That's all signs of low frustration tolerance. So basically it's like the Rolling Stones said, you can't always get what you want, so you're going to have to deal with it anyway. Um, you know, or if you don't deal with it, then it's going to end up being detrimental to you and detrimental to everyone around you that you love. You're going to end up hurting those people. So it's really up to you to deal with it. Yeah, but often what we do is we allow our, our circumstances to crowd out our inability to tolerate frustrations. Yeah, and so it's for that reason that we live on you know the edge and, and we're always on the edge of anger and frustration and and so when frustrations arise it doesn't take much to set us off you know well we feel like the animal in the trap where we feel vulnerable but we don't examine ourselves to be able to deal with it ourselves and so we push away the people that that um that are trying to help us that are trying to get us free from that hurt so what we actually need to be doing is surrendering that hurt to jesus you know, see, most of us have scars that no one else can see. You know, we all have different things that we've gone through in life that, that no one else knows about, but there are scars there that, that under stress and under pressure and when we're fatigued, those scars can, can reveal themselves, you know, in poor behavior. But we need to surrender those scars and those hurts to Jesus. And so let's actually might just pray for us now before we go on. Just, Lord, we're just... Um, you ask that right now you would cleanse us of those unhealthy emotions that, that keep us from being what our family needs and, and what our workplace needs and what our church needs and what our community needs and what you want from us. Lord, we just pray that you would heal us of those scars and we just pray that this morning would be, would be good at giving those over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Proverbs, the first step to health and wholeness is, is firstly listening to your heart to being honest about what's going on in your heart, to being familiar you know, about your own heart and acknowledging what's there. So, Because normally, whatever it is that annoys you about someone else so much is the thing that, that you're terrified is most true about yourself. So think about you know, those people, that person that you just have such a, a strong visceral or aggressive you know, reaction to, the person that you just can't, deal with that you, you just can't you know be around that person that you'd hate often we feel like that because you know there's something 
within that person that you identify with and that you that you're scared of is is within yourself so think about these kind of conversations have you ever heard someone maybe you've done it yourself probably not but maybe you've heard someone else do it where you hear people say you know so and so you know she always talks about herself like in any conversation she somehow you know makes it all about her you know she's so self-absorbed so inconsiderate and you kind of feel like saying back well it is kind of human nature to want to talk about yourself like we all do it don't we yeah but i just i just can't get over it you can't just forget about it and move on no i don't think i can and you realize ah oh, okay so that person just you know you can't take responsibility for your own heart you know and from your heart all other things flow or what about this what about the person that says ah oh, it's just i can't believe he finished all the spaghetti bolognese and put the container back in the fridge yeah, how thoughtless can someone be? You know, it's not the first time. Last week, he ate all the Tim Tams and put the empty container, the empty packet back in the fridge as well. You know, and it's not just thoughtless. It just proves that he doesn't care. And he doesn't care about anyone but himself. Because he didn't put the container, because he put the container back in the fridge, because he didn't wash it up. Exactly. And I don't think I can live with someone like that. I, think, I don't think I can trust him again. You can't just... Wash it up yourself, get over it. No, I don't think I can. You're like, All right. So it's because, you know, you can't take responsibility for your own heart. You know, and from your heart, all other things flow. Or what about this one? The one that, um, this one from, that I often struggle with is like, you're going up the escalator and it's like, why is that person standing on the right-hand side of the escalator? There are escalator rules. Left-hand side, you stand right-hand side you walk so inconsiderate like this is what's wrong with the world it's people that stand on the right-hand side of the escalator <laughs> just there's nothing redeeming no redeeming qualities about people that stand on the right-hand side of the escalator i just can't get out and i realize oh that's me you know not taking responsibility for my heart you know and not you're not being able to move on from it and from your heart all other things flow so what is it for you is it um in the car park, people that park too close to the line or, um, or people that sniff all the time so they're just blowing their nose. You know, there are reasons that we have um, you know, these really strong reactions is because we have these unaddressed issues within our own heart. So it's, it's got nothing to do with that person that talks incessantly about their new diet. It's actually to do with your own insecurities and the fact that you're, you're, you know, we refuse to take responsibility for our own heart. Anyway, that's not my opinion. It's just what the Bible says. But <laughs> so back in um, back in 1980, there was a band called Joy Division, and they sang a song called "Love Will Tear Us Apart," which may be true. Love may tear us apart. I don't know. But but uh, it turns out that love may tear us apart, but hate actually brings us together. And there was a uh, a study in 2011 done that um, that talks about how hate is this really strong. Um, glue that binds us together in relationships so it's not a healthy thing but it's there within our hearts and I'm just going to read you a bit of that study um, so it says in a study that was surprised no one psychologists have found that hating the same person can bring two people together if this sounds familiar to you it's actually an improvement on research done in 2006 according to new york magazine etc etc i'll skip a bit um so they looked at at um in universities, 
people that hated the same lecturers and found that people that hated the same lecturers actually developed these really strong relationships. So of course, humans uniting against a common enemy is the plot of pretty much every alien movie ever. And as New York Magazine Paul Kicks points out, admitting to hating the same person is a great way to establish trust. By going negative, thereby breaking a general rule of first impressions, you signal that you instinctively trust this new person because you suspect he or she might feel the same way. Just about anybody who's not a saint has experienced that sense of relief that comes from realising you no longer have to keep up appearances. You can quit playing nice and finally admit how awful you think someone really is. And when someone else agrees, it's like you're conspiring in something illicit, like sharing a cigarette behind the band room. When lots of people bond over hating one person, it can be um, exclusionary and sad, but when two people hate an authority figure or someone else seems, or everybody someone else seems to like, the result can feel rebellious and fun. So hate may not be the most wholesome basis for a relationship, but it's one of the most honest. And no surprise, it's one of the most powerful. So it's like, I tried to do a bit of research for this sermon yesterday, and um, I asked Sasha to do some research for me. So most people, I mean, I should have been researching like Bible commentaries and things, but what I did instead was I researched Sasha's um, Facebook Messenger posts, because uh, I realized... So Sasha has this strong bond with um, you know, Sally and, and Pastor Tanya and Benita where what they do is they'll watch you know, The Bachelor or Married at First Sight and then message each other about, oh, Bobby is a terrible person, isn't he? I can't believe he did that on his date and stuff. And so they bond over this, um, this dislike for people on an island in Fiji. Um, <laughs> So it's completely unhealthy, but you know it's what it's what bonds us together. So sometimes, though, God doesn't want us to give in to you know, that kind of negativity and, and not to live with it, um, because it's, again, it's a it's a way that we mask our own sins, insecurities, and our own hurts. And in Proverbs, remember, it says the heart is the center of all things, and all things flow from the heart. But the heart is filled with all sorts of things as well. So we need to take responsibility for our own hearts, which begins with honestly identifying what's really in there. You know, and, and then health and wholeness and breakthrough begins with honesty. Um, so next slide, Ben. So, but it's not just that you know, if, we, if we don't deal with our hearts, that we place it all in other people. Sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes instead we store it within our own body. And there's this verse in Proverbs 14 that says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. See, in Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs understood that your heart and your mind and your soul and your spirit and your body are all interconnected. And so our emotions and our heart is actually connected to our physical body. So in fact, wishing you had someone else's life, being envious, actually physically rots your bones. It's debilitating and either even lethal to your body. And there's this... Um, there's this great commentary that the, the rabbis would give on the Ten Commandments where they'd say the first nine commandments are all about uh, things that we can see. So they're about, you know, if you kill someone, we can actually see whether you do that or not. If you steal something, we can see whether you do that or not. But the Tenth Commandment is something different. The Tenth Commandment is to not covet, which is something that we can't see 
you know, it's internal, it's in your heart. And apparently the rabbis would have this commentary where they would say that the Tenth Commandment is not so much of a commandment as more of a reward. That if you follow the first nine commandments, then you're not going to want anyone else's life. And if you follow the first nine commandments, your life is going to be so good that you're not going to want to envy and want someone else's life anyway. But there's something about wanting someone else's life you know, that sits and festers and even becomes debilitating and, as the proverb says, rots your bones. So have you ever had those days where you, know, you just feel really tired, like, like gravity's working overtime on you, like you just feel really heavy and tired? And it may be that there's this emotion within you that is literally rotting your bones and we need to expose that and shine a light on it. Yeah, you know, and it's and it's not just with envy or old wounds, but it's also the same with bitterness, and it's de- the same with desire for revenge, and it's the same with with jealousy. And I just want to finish up this morning talking a little bit about about jealousy and about you know the jealousy in our hearts. And I just want to start with a, a little story um, that I found. It's probably true. We'll see. But um, a long time ago, in an Italian city. Um, so this city built this beautiful tower and it was admired by everyone passing through. And a little further down the road, there was a neighbouring city and they built a tower as well you know, of similar beauty. And so the two towers were both equally famous and both equally beautiful and people would come you know, from all around to look at both towers. The people of the first city loved their tower and they'd often have parties in it because it was so beautiful and they loved it. And they'd invite the people of the second city to come to their parties and enjoy their beautiful tower as well. And when they gave out their invitations, they'd often comment to the first, to the people of the first uh, or the second city about how beautiful their tower is as well and how they would like to go and visit it one day. But the people of the second city were envious and were filled with pride. Yeah, they didn't like that the people of the first city had this beautiful tower, even though they had their own. And so one night they destroyed, they decided to. Um, they planned to destroy the neighbouring tower so that it wouldn't take any attention away from their own. And so one dark night they came to the tower with picks and shovels and began to quietly dig away and undermine its foundations. So the next morning the, the tower was slightly leaning. But no one seemed to notice, so the same thing happened for the next few days until eventually one little girl that was passing by kind of looked up at the tower and said, I think that tower is going to fall down. You know, it's leaning and everyone looked closely and could see that she was right. So what they did was, you know, they went out and looked for solutions of how they could fix this tower and, and eventually, you know, they made the, the foundations more secure so that the tower wouldn't fall down, but it was still on a bit of a lean. But the leaning then made it even more famous. And so this made the citizens of the second tower even more envious because these people now had this famous leaning tower and so what they thought is okay we need to do the same with our tower our tower now we're gonna to have to make it lean as well so they started digging under the foundations of their own tower so it lent but they didn't have the skills or the ability to redo the foundations. so they kept digging underneath it to make it lean and eventually you know, it fell down and collapsed so they had no tower and and uh, the other city had this famous leaning tower of Pisa now, I don't know if that's how the Leaning Tower piece actually came out. I probably could have Googled it, but I didn't do that. But the point is, that's the effect of jealousy. You know, I feel like it's the same in, in the church that 
Yeah, we don't want to be elder brothers because elder brothers are always trying to compete with the people they're supposed to be leading. You know, and I realized um, a couple of weeks ago, my, my son would come to me and would say, yeah, Papa, one day I'm going to be bigger than you and I'm going to be stronger than you. I'm going to be faster than you. I'm going to be smarter than you. And at the moment, it's really cute, but it's also more than just really cute because it's also meant to be true. You know, he should be growing up to be bigger than me and stronger than me and smarter than me and do more than me. Yeah, and he will. You know, and if he doesn't, it's not his fault. It's my fault for not getting him there. Yeah, I should want that for him. But in the church, I feel like we often, you know, cut people down when we're happy training people to do something, but when they become better at us, better at it than us, yeah, we don't like it. Yeah, when we see it throughout the Bible with with Cain and Abel, for example, they both presented God with a sacrifice, but God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice because it was a real sacrifice from his heart, whereas Cain just gave out of his leftovers and and when Cain was, was angry, God said to him, if you do good, your countenance will be lifted up. In other words, if you just stop being jealous, yeah, your life's going to go so much better. But he didn't listen and he went out and killed his brother. Yeah, he hurt that person that was closest to him because he couldn't get over his jealousy. Yeah, we see it as well as with Saul and David. You know, Sasha was talking about Saul and David this morning and and um, yeah, they all went out to war and, and David killed Goliath and they're all coming back from battle and the women are lining the streets and obviously the women are thinking that Saul is a, a good father you know, to David and, and he would celebrate his success because all the women are singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. Um, and, and, and the women would be thinking, well, surely Saul is going to be happy that David's growing up to be this great figure who's even a better soldier than he is. But instead of David, or instead of Saul being happy with David and happy that David was celebrated, he was jealous and again wanted to kill David, wanted to hurt the people that's closest to him. See, it's an age-old problem that, that God brings together two people that could be amazing together, but jealousy destroys it. You know, I really feel like it's the issues of the heart that take movements down it's issues of the heart that take churches down it's issues of the heart that that get in the way of what god wants to do yeah we can talk all we want about having great structures and doing things with excellence and having great knowledge and all those things are really good and great and i appreciate them but it's actually the everyday stuff like the stuff where you just feel like you got this thing in your spirit against someone else and you just can't move on from it You've just got this feeling of, of envy or jealousy or hatred towards someone that you can't move on from it unless you bring it into the light. You know, the disciples even had the same issue. Jesus was hanging out with the disciples and he starts ra- raising up these world changers. And what do they start doing? They start arguing about who's the greatest. And Jesus doesn't tell them. He doesn't deal with it. He just says, I'm doing what I'm doing. Just deal with it. Yeah, he wasn't prepared to change what he was doing to address other people's jealousy. He wasn't going to change his plan on earth because of other people's jealousy. But do we change what we do to fit in with other people's jealousy or do we limit what we do in church today to accommodate our own jealousy or envy? Because if, if the anointing of God 
is on someone to do something, then we need to celebrate that. Yeah, and then if we feel jealous about it, deal with it in our own hearts. See, Jesus did that with his disciples. He said, I'm doing what I'm doing. My anointing is on these people. You know, you need to get rid of the jealousy in your own hearts. And I really feel like this morning that sometimes maybe we don't get the breakthrough that we're after in our lives because we can't celebrate someone else's. You know, we can't do that until our heart is right. And we need to stop producing the movement of God down to the level of our own fear or anxiety or hurt or jealousy. And the only way to do that is to bring the issues of our heart out into the light and deal with it. So there's something about being vulnerable that breaks things. The greatest, you know, the greatest weapon that the enemy has is shame. But what destroys shame is vulnerability. People who are vulnerable have the ability to change. People who are vulnerable to bring the things, the issues of the heart out into the light have the ability to change. So this morning, can I just get you to stand to your feet? I'm just going to finish off with a time of prayer. And I'll just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes just to give those around you some uh, privacy as you pray this morning as well. And Father, we just want to thank you this morning that that health and wholeness and breakthrough begin with honesty. Honesty about what is really in our hearts. And Lord, we just want to commit this morning in front of you that we don't want to be elder brothers or sisters trying to compete trying to compete even amongst our, our Christian brothers and sisters, we want to be rid of jealousy and envy. And we know that it's the issues of the heart that get in the way of what you want to do, what you want to do in our lives. And we don't want the issues of our heart to get in the way of you and, and, and your plans for us. So we ask that you would reveal the issues of our heart to us this morning, bring them into the light. And I just speak over this church this morning just against the tendency we have to keep acting out the same hurts over and over and over again. We just pray this morning that cycle would be broken. And we speak against continuing to live out of our own insecurity, our jealousy, our envy. Lord, we just hand over our hearts to you this morning and just pray that, that as you heal them and fix them, that our life would flow from that. Lord, we just thank you for, for all you're doing in our midst this morning and thank you for, for, for moving and, and giving us fresh and new hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at lifecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at lifecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Life City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to lifecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.